Welcome to the Information Entry Podcast. This week, we are journeying through the elegant and intricate world of mathematics, where numbers weave the fabric of the universe and logic opens doors to uncharted realms. Join us as we unravel the mysteries of mathematics, exploring its profound truths and its stunning beauty. My name is Mitchell Gang. I'm joined as per usual by Tom Jenks. How are you doing, Tom? Oh, I'm doing good, mate. How are you? Um, well, good. All right, we're doing all right. <laughs> we're struggling on. But it's like it's that it's that time of the year. Things have slowed down out of the January race. Yeah. Things have all ground to a halt. I'm already looking forward to Christmas. It's wow. <laughs> that's, a, that's a quick turnaround. <laughs> no. I'm not looking forward, I'm looking forward to like my birthday. And the only reason I'm looking forward to my birthday is I got so much on into like mid April in terms of like not oh, bad things. Oh like busy business things. Well, there's a, there's a going away for work again, but like we're going on holiday, then we're going away, then we're staying away again, and there's a concert, and it's just like back to back to back to back to back to back to back. No, I like doing nothing. Right. I'm just a big, big, who would like doing, doing nothing, nothing? Yeah, yeah. But I kind of have the opposite problem of I'm not doing anything, but I'm very busy until like July, oh. just writing. But then you're free. Well, I'll send you a sock. Oh, thanks. I oh, appreciate that. <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah. You're a free elf. Um, speaking of free elves, I did go to the Harry Potter studios uh, this weekend. <laughs> you did. You and did. that was just a absolutely wonderful time. Magical experience, you could say. Honestly, it was. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be... Real Harry Potter it... nerd as a kid. I, I, I think I kind of fell out of the Harry Potter sphere for a while. I yeah. just did a good job at just putting me right back in there. Yes, and they, it's a good experience. I mean, J.K. Rowling is still a bitch, <laughs> right? Yes, we're not advocating for lots of anti-trans charities. Well, that's yeah. fine. Fuck Some that money. hoe. She can However, do what she wants. <laughs> the, the, the universe <laughs> is uh, oh, set myself off here. The universe, yeah. very interesting, and uh, it is yes. a very interesting. And the experience is good, but a beer is not good. Oh, and did you not? Hey, Fine. Did you not find? Sorry. No, it, it was. It was not great. Oh, see, I got the what vegan one. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I thought it was a good time. Yeah, a good time. Yeah. Like, it was definitely you, an acquired taste. Did you go on the train? Yeah. You had to. You had to go. On the I train. had to. I was uh, overcoming your fear type scenario. You know. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. didn't throw up on it this time. That's good. Wh- That's which good. is good because it significantly changed. Since we were remember. last one. Yeah, you were. I remember. And because last... the toilets are quite far away from the, the train. Because yes. I know, like, the distance, so... And last time, you couldn't actually go... Like, you went into the train, like, through, like, a side. Like, they'd cut out the side or something. And you could okay. be, like, inside a cabin. And... But this time, it was a... You got on it and walked down a very narrow path. But you, there's yes. people in front and people in back behind you. So, if you were thrown up, there ain't nowhere to hide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No. Uh, um, so yes, I'm trying, trying to work out what the, the difference because they change it, don't they? Like year on year or, or season on season. I was trying to work out what the difference is between when you, I we went when you went. Oh, uh, um, I don't think because they were still doing like the like how they did it, the magic behind the scenes stuff. That was the the main focus of when we went, and that was the focus this time as well. Yeah, like, like it had, before when um, I went, it was just uh here are some props and uh, the great okay, hall. Yeah. But this time it was actually like the experience of how they made everything and yeah, they had like uh, the, um, 
Weasley's house and how like everything was yeah. actually it wasn't just CGI. They actually had like motors and stuff. And yeah, how the, cool. the monster book. The monster yes. book was actually animatronic, not just Gringotts CGI. is there these days. Oh walk Green, around Gringotts. That dragon experience. Yeah, phenomenal. that was cool. Absolutely phenomenal. And it changes each time. There's not just one. Which yeah. I thought was wild. Um yeah. honestly just a good time. And then we went to see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Absolutely phenomenal. Just even if you're not yeah. into Harry Potter, that show is worth seeing. <laughs> I would say. Yeah. And uh yeah. Cool. Anyway, Harry Potter. Yeah, Check bad bad magic system in Harry Potter, but it's, it's fine. not bad. It's just unknown. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's bad. That's why it's yeah, bad. That, that's fair. Like um, Brandon Sanderson burning metals makes sense. You yeah, know, it makes in its weird way, it makes sense. They yeah. eat them, they ingest the metals, and something in their body reacts to it, and they burn that metal. Yeah, it makes sense in its own way. Just say that say the Latin words and wave a wand around. Doesn't make sense. Aptitude. It doesn't make sense. Yes. Anyway, yeah. we can cover that on another episode. So anyway, this now. week, we're here for maths. But before that, I've got some news to dive yeah. into, which revolves mm. around something that we sort of covered a few weeks ago in our Tasty Toxins episode. Um, in that episode, we cover things that had evolved as a defense mechanism that we just love to eat. Examples being mint and capsaicin. I think I'm saying that correctly. Honestly unknown at this point. Um, caffeine, however, was also one of those molecules, but it turns out a recent study has found that caffeine in your blood plasma may actually lower your risk of type 2 diabetes in an indirect way. So they um, use genetically predicted higher plasma caffeine concentrations, and they found that they are associated with a lower BMI, body mass index, and also whole body fat mass as well. Uh, the quote from the paper is, genetically predicted higher plasma and caffeine concentrations are associated with, with this lower BMI and whole body fat mass. And furthermore, genetically predicted higher plasma caffeine concentrations were associated with lower risk of type 2 diabetes. Approximately half the effect of caffeine on type 2 diabetes liability was estimated to be mediated through BMI reduction. What does that mean? Essentially, the more caffeine you have, obviously to sensible levels, um, means that your body is storing less fat, which in the right. long run means you'll have a less risk of getting diabetes type 2. Okay, so you're saying like, I need to go back to drinking like cans of Monster to stop myself from getting diabetes. One of the recommendations that they came out with with this paper was having sugar-free caffeinated drinks as a so the the sugar free like the silver one yeah the ultra oh, that's it. yeah I've been I've been drinking it for years yeah nice saving myself um, the study involved data from just under ten thousand people that's an, that's, a, that's an okay sample size it's, it's not bad um, yeah. and basically they looked at existing genetic databases and specifically looked at genes known to be associated with uh, the breakdown of caffeine um, and they found that the ones that tend to break down caffeine more slowly, allowing it to remain in the blood longer, uh, showed this association with a, a reduced risk of type 2 diabetes. So, yeah. Previous studies have also linked moderate and relative increase in caffeine consumption to better heart health and a lower BMI, uh, but this just kind of compounds that. 
even more. Um, however, disclaimer, it's important to keep in mind the effects of caffeine on the body, which aren't all positive, which means care must be taken when weighing up the benefits of drinking it. Please be sensible. Um, but yeah, small short-term trials have shown that caffeine intake results in weight and fat mass reduction, but long-term effects of caffeine are unknown. We've only been drinking it as a society like incredibly heavily for what? 50 years? 100 years? Uh, well, it depends if you count tea in that boat. Well, I, I would, I would say coffee. I mean, you got caffeine because and tea. Because tea's in. got more caffeine than coffee, don't you? Oh, just, you know, I hate those people. <laughs> just, you're like, oh, no, I don't want a coffee. It's late at night. I'll have a cup of tea instead. And then some pipes out of nowhere, like jumps through your window. Like, yeah. oh, don't you know that tea's actually got more caffeine than coffee? And you're like, no, it doesn't. Not in that way. Go. Well, it does per gram, but you're eating a lot less grams. I'm not eating any, Tom. Well, you're drinking a lot less grams. Ingesting. Infused. Yes. Infused. Um, yeah. So, yeah. If I make some really weak uh, Earl Grey. Actually, it's not Earl Grey at the moment. I'm drinking Lady Grey. Lady Grey is my current tea of choice. Oh, wow. I've not had a cup of tea in months. If <laughs> you go back to Scotland and then you just... All the English just disappears from me. everyone else up here is our tea fiends absolutely fiends? fiendish for it yeah oh, okay um all the herbals as well you go around the office people got some ginger tea ginger. um other ones i don't pay attention because i don't drink it so <laughs> lots of different colored boxes around um yeah sleep tea is quite a popular thing up here these days yeah yeah we, there is some in this house yeah yeah. Cool. All right. Well, mathematics is the topic of the week. Um, it is. This was this was your suggestion. How, how did you arrive here? For some reason, yeah. For some reason, it was my suggestion. We got some facts before we dive into mathematics. There's always mathematical oh, facts. Yeah. How you? How you? Any facts, Tom? <laughs> um, I like I'm calling you out and putting you on blast. What? But <laughs> you got any? You got any facts? <laughs> no, you- no, what? No, no. <laughs> Frantic tapping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just give me one second. I'm just gonna. <laughs> if I just talk in maths facts, what comes up? Okay, well, I've got some maths facts. <laughs> there is no um, Roman numeral for zero. <laughs> yes. No, it's not. I don't know why. Oh. Do I, do I know why that isn't? No. Yes, because the concept of zero as a number was first used in India around the 5th century by mathematicians Arahibata. His oh. introduction was revolutionary. So that's why, because that was one of my facts. Oh, there you birth go. of zero. So the, the the birth of it enabled the development of algebra, calculus, and the binary numeral system, which is the foundation of modern computer operations, if you didn't know. All those ones and zeros, those ons and offs. Electrical uh, poles or I no electrical poles. I do love some binary systems. Uh, yeah, no, not the, not the, not the, not the planets, Tom. All the Damn stars. it. Yeah, that's not what they are. No, I deal, I deal a lot with uh, binary mathematics. I'd say that's what I'm most comfortable with in terms of really? statistics. Yes. Like zeros and ones? Uh, zero ones, Bernoulli principles, that kind of jazz. Yes. Because okay, a lot of yes. the behavioral experiments that I do, the animals either were successful or not. So the statistics oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are based around them either being successful, one or not, zero. Uh, so yes, a lot of those stats we do are around binary mm. Uh, or Bernoulli mathematics. Nice. Yeah. Okay, some other fun facts that I've got for you. If you enter 
pi to two decimal places in your calculator and look at it in the mirror, it actually spells pi. Oh. That's nice. That is a fun fact. For that once, is a fun fact. Coming, we're actually coming in with actual fun facts. Is that, like a, the... is that a palindrome? Is that what palindromes are? No, Sonos is a palindrome, isn't it? Because it's the... No, Sonos is the special one where it's like back to front and up to down. Uh, yeah, palindromes like, just phrases or sequences that read the same... Oh, no. Read the same backwards as forwards. That's just... Yeah, like tenant. Yeah. Radar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. Uh, carry on. It only takes 23 people to enter a room to give you an even chance that two of the people have the same birthday. I was just looking this up because I just saw that. I was like, no way is that true. But, yeah. um... Yeah, uh, and 75 people in the room to the chances to raise uh, 99%. Um, so we did this at, we did this at uni because uh, we when we first started, we had a cohort. I think it was like 90. Uh, and it was right. So two people had the same birthday. Yeah. And that it being a school narrows it down even more because there's only like a, there's a window of opportunity of a year where the, people's birthdays can be in. It's not the full year. It's well, it's September to school. August, isn't it? Yeah, so it's, it's so a, it, it narrows it down even more. Well, it's September first to August thirty first is the breakdown. So it is it is a year. No, because it's to do with if you, if you're born just after you go then go into the next year. You don't just start the year. If no, you're born. but then that next year has until the day previous to that to be allocated. So. Because if it didn't encompass the whole year, the bracket didn't encompass the whole year, there'd be some people who just don't go to school. Yeah. Tom, don't you know? People born in October just don't go to school. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, fair. Okay, yeah. Valid. Like, what are they, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to um, wait a whole year to go... Yeah. Um, um, you know, that, did, but what I didn't realise was why this works is because... People bone on specific days. Well, that that, that is actually a factor. <laughs> Right, that's why you have <laughs> yeah. lots of like spring babies and things like that because, you know, yeah. during uh, or even summer babies, you know, during the the winter months, there's not a lot else to do, sometimes. Um, but also, why you only need twenty three people is because when one person comes into the room, they're making, you know, it's just it's not just twenty three comparisons. The statistics are that one person comes into the room, they're making twenty two comparisons. That one of those people because they've already been compared to the first person, is then making 21 comparisons, and so on, until you there's 253 comparisons being made between a group of 23 people. Mm. 253 comparisons equals a chance uh, of, well, you know, 365, 50%. Yeah, that's why it goes up. But yeah. I'll never reach 100, as you can never say for certain. Because you'll have a group of people, and then one bastard will be leap year, and you'll never get it. Oh. <laughs> it's always uh, the leap years. It's, yeah, it always is the leap years. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Okay. Well, my, my other thing was, was not a fun fact. It was more of a maths test for you, Tom. Oh. And this is going to be different, because right. we've got a lot of uh, American listeners, so they won't... They all have a different thing. And I don't know what their different thing is for it. We had bod mass. Jesus, yeah. What does BODMAS stand for, Tom? Um, so, first, let me... Um, this is to determine the order, <laughs> order of, operations, of operations, right? Yes, it is. So, uh, brackets, 
Yeah, practice first. I have no idea what the O is. Uh, orders. Oh, uh, okay. So this um, is your things like your powers and your square roots. Okay, so brackets, orders, division, yeah. multiplication, addition, subtraction. Yeah, but the the weird thing is like uh, division and multiplication is on the same level uh, and addition and subtraction is on the same level, but you do left to right. Okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I could never remember that at school. It wasn't useful to me. Um, yeah, like, I think Americans have got, like, ped, pedma. Okay. Uh, bod mass, but for Americans. <laughs> uh, ped. Well, there's bod mass and bid mass. That's, the, the, like, uh, pem, pemdas? P-E-M-D-A-S. What would that even be? Um, I'm trying to work it out. P. Multiplication, division, attract, uh, addition. Multiplication, division, addition, subtraction. But P. E. Uh, parentheses. Powers. Oh, parentheses. Exponents. Yeah. Exponents. Makes sense. Um, yeah. The other thing I would like to say is not so much a fun yes. fact. Quite right. But. Uh, if you're like me, you hate maths. I don't maths. think there's anybody like you, Tom. Okay. Um, that's because I'm just so unique, you know? However, there will be people in a similar situation where maths, uh -huh. especially during education, was the absolute bane of your existence. Um, yes, that was me. I still kind of hate maths. Do you? But I use it every like single day. Like It is half of my degree, I would say, is stats and maths and things i guess stats is slightly different to maths like i'm not ah, doing algebra right. i would i would say that that's the same thing it's a, it's a subsection of yeah. i would say yeah um the like good saying, thing about um, my level is i can just use computers to do it all for me and all i yeah, actually need to yeah. understand is the coding which i'm much more aligned with um so and then, it's like uh saying physics is different to science Yes, okay, I see. Maths being the umbrella term. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So with that, well, why don't we jump into what maths is? Which you'd think mm. would be somewhat simple. You would. And there is a somewhat general definition that I managed to find on Wikipedia, but nowhere else. Uh, yeah, and as we know, Wikipedia, the best place. Yes. For... Um it's generally considered an area of knowledge that includes the topics of numbers, formulas and related structures, shapes and the spaces in which they are contained, and quantities and their changes. These topics are represented in modern mathematics, with the major subdisciplines of number theory, algebra, geometry, and analysis. Now, while we all kind of know what maths is, and we all know what we mean when we say maths... Mm. I'm sure our definitions of it would change between everyone. And there is actually no general consensus about a common definition for maths. Because as, as uh, Mitch just pointed out, if you ask a statistician what maths yeah. is, they have a very different answer than if you ask um, so, a geometrist. Like, a very strange, subjective, contextual answer based on your job or your hobby or the way that you interact with maths 
Yeah, I get it's it reminds me of the there's no such thing as a fish problem. Which we covered yes. about six months ago. <laughs> no, I, 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 came, I came back to that earlier and I was like, no such thing as a fish. Yeah, or the fin fish. The fin fish. Fin um, fish. And fishes. If you, you don't know what that problem is, it's essentially we label everything in the sea as fish. As fish, essentially. Uh, yeah. if it's got a fin and it swims and taxonomically that's the same as labeling every four-legged mammal as a horse yeah. cat no it's a horse dog no actually that's a horse um yeah was it was it that episode that we talked about the how you could like you could you could boil everything everything down into like six different food types probably and the story yeah. of the, the lawyer being like actually <laughs> like a taco is actually a, a pie. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> that yes. one. Beautiful. Beautiful. Gross. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But what, what kind of definitions did you come across, if any? Uh, the, the the exact one. But m- oh, more, okay. it's, my one larger and just like more uh, vague. Or like the. It's almost like. A universal language that uses numbers, symbols, and equations to describe properties, patterns, and relationships of quantities and sets. That's yeah. like the, like this math, and but then you've got like the doing of maths, which is like so it's a discipline that encompasses yes. the study of topics such as quantity, which is the number theory, which we'll come on to in a bit, structure, which is algebra, space, which is geometry, and change, which is calculus. So that's what, what when you're applying it, applying it. That's what it means. Um, yeah. Or when you're working through it, it's like this is the process and this is this is how it's defined. So and it's, it's a, a whole different like it is by itself. It has a different meaning when you're implying it, and then yeah. I had another like little quiz for you. Okay. What are the four main operations in maths, and what's the the, the spicy fifth one? Um, I'm gonna presume by operation you mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Addition. Oh, it's got one. Subtraction, multiplication, division. Um, What's the fifth one? Yeah, there's a fifth one. Is it just to the power of something? No. Square rooting? It even even has a symbol. People don't realise this. Factorial? No. That does have a symbol. So that's fair. That's That's why I was thinking. Within my clue, that that was was on me. Because that's an exclamation mark. I don't know. Do you know the uh, the fancy and symbol? The ampersand? Yes. Uh, it uses that. Uh, I, I don't know. Encoding, that just means and. Uh, Me? do, do you need it twice for it to be and? When you, when you no. put two things together, you have to put it twice? Nope. I think in Python you do. Not in R. Oh, well, most people don't use R, Tom. You do if you're a scientist. <laughs> That or SPSS, I suppose. Yeah, so during, during my work, uh, I, I was sat in a meeting room with an auditor yeah. going line by line through some Python code, explaining it to her because she wasn't accepting it as evidence for one of the uh, one of the audits. So I was like, so if you look here to this line, and being like this ad and having to explain it. And I, I think she knew... But she wasn't accepting it, so I just was being bone idle about it, just to waste oh, time. Yeah, that's just the auditors. 
just just straight mansplaining. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, not really mansplaining. It was, was yeah. legit explaining. Um, it's modulo. You have addition, subtraction, division, multiplication, and modulo. Okay, at the age of 30, why is this the first time I'm hearing about this? So, at the age of 25, 24 was the first time that I was hearing about it when we were doing our cryptography module in uni. Um, so, I wonder if you can work out, work out what it is. If I give you some examples, I wonder if you can work it out. So, 40 modulo 12 is 2. And... <laughs> And five modulo two is one. Five modulo two. Yeah, equals one. Right. I mean, where I thought I was going to go with 40 <laughs> modulo 12, I was like, well, if you multiplied one times two and then times it by ten. Oh, no, it's way, way, you're over, overthinking that to a, a, a an amazing degree. I was trying to divide. Oh, yeah. But I don't get how five, two, and one can't come into it. So, so, so I'm just going to give up for the sake of everyone's sanity out there. Yeah, so it's, it's like the remainder of once you've like divided it through. So 14 no, so minus 12, two, two, 12 four, goes into 14 then once, then you have a remainder of two, and then two goes into five twice, but you have the remainder of one. Oh, I heard 14, not 14. Sorry. Yeah, 14. Yeah, I heard 40, 40. Oh, our apologies. Honestly, it wouldn't have made a difference. <laughs> but uh, that, yes, the two the two makes sense there now. So, so 40 modulo 12 uh, would be, would equal four. Because you would have, you'd go 12, uh, 24, 36. Then you've got four you left kind of over. You've got four left over. And it's a, you don't normally use it in like day-to-day stuff, uh, but it's heavily used in cryptography. As I said, we did it when we did in, the um, encryption um, function uh, subject at uni. And it's, it's used because it's an irreversible function compared to like addition, subtraction, division, multiplication, where you can work out based on like, if you've got the answer, you can only work backwards. Yeah. Modulo is irreversible because if you have um, like 12 modulo 11 and 7 modulo 3, they both equal 1. So without knowing one of the numbers that you use to modulo it, you oh, cannot know what the whole equation is. So, so like say, I could send you a secret message and I could send yes. you the modulo like remainder... And, and one of the num and one of the numbers, yes. And then, yeah. like, then you'd be able to work out like the third number to open it, yes. Whereas if you just had that remainder number, you wouldn't be able to open it, even if you yes. could see the, the the message. So you, you essentially destroying like I described a very low level version of like a um I think it's like a symmetric a no asymmetric key private key. So when you have like communication between computers. In a very low-level sense, that's exactly what happens: is you pass one of the numbers across, I pass the other number across, while well, you broadcast it, and because you know and I know, we can work out what the remainder is, and because we know what the remainder is, we can then decrypt the message. Mm, okay, yeah, that's, that's cool. The modulo, get modulo, get modulo, big fan of modulo. But it was really funny, uh, and. It, 
it twigged in like immediately for me when I did it because I was like, oh, it's just the remainder of you just divide it through and it's just the remainder. But people just didn't get it. And I'm like, uh, what do you mean it's the remainder of? I was like, it's just like, however many more you need. But then there's also like, it can work back as well, I think, is the way it works. So if you're closer to the lower end, you count that way instead of counting up. Okay. Yeah. I can see how people wouldn't get that if like they just didn't click with it the first time as it explained to them. Yes. I can imagine them getting stuck in a hole there. Um, yeah. And then people just hate on, hate on maths. And if it doesn't click for them, it doesn't click for them and they hate on it. I mean, I like, hate math for a long horror time. Horror stories of people like absolutely hating on maths during school. Yes. I get because they just don't teach you the easy way of doing stuff. <laughs> Which I kind of get because they want to teach you to understand it. But I, I think a lot of teachers at our school, at least, uh, weren't very good at explaining it different way on the spot so if you were like no i didn't get that you would just get a repeat of the explanation it's like yes no i i was listening <laughs> it's just that yeah. my brain does not compute with the way that you are explaining it because you, you're gonna have to go a new way about this and what i struggled with for the longest time and i, and I think i still would oh, if i had to do an exam time. is mm. understanding what they want me to yes. get from the question yeah so the questions yeah. are phrased in certain ways and my brain just could not pick out the context clues of what i was expected to do um if i've got my book next to me or something i can research it very i think effectively and get get to the, the proper equation quite quickly but out of the top of my head i, I just yeah my brain just was not wired that way mm-hmm um yeah uh, yeah like, hey. the worst thing they, they they told me was like uh, when you've got an equation with like an equals in the middle whatever you do to one side you can do anything you want to one side but you also have to do it to the other yeah because i just went buck wild with that and i was like well, fuck, i can do whatever i want scourge about four yeah why not i can do it this time <laughs> i can do it that side it's fine uh, and then i would never get to the answers but i would have fun just being like yeah and then we're well, just gonna whack it you're having like, fun like we're going to cube this, and then we're going to cube it, and then we're going to put it everything over five. Why? Because I can. I have that power. It's maths. Yeah. You were just power tripping in maths. Everything. I was fine until it got to logarithms, and then nobody explained to me what a logarithm, logarithm was, and I just didn't get it. And at that point, I was just like, mentally just tapped out of everything yeah i can understand um, that like and it, it was for ages that like um the sine wave that kind of stuff it wasn't until like later on where we we sort of doing the podcast we research stuff they're like that where they are and the waves that they are in school they you just they just don't visually represent it as on like graphs it's just learn uh sokotoa to yeah. work out the equations and nobody told me like the equations are for you to plot points on a graph i was just like oh they're just numbers yeah there's they're no just, application of it, it there's really no application you just, you just get x and you just get y and there's just, just numbers and it didn't to me to like i left school to be like oh no if you like change these numbers and put different numbers in it creates like a wave of a graph which is yeah. like a higher higher pitch higher See, I, I knew that but i didn't 
my I couldn't translate it without actually having the graph, but I didn't have the patience to draw it out each time either. Yeah, that was painful. <laughs> yeah. Um so one of the one of the fundamental things of maths that I looked at are these things called axioms. Um axioms are somewhat self-evident truths or assumptions that serve as the foundation for mathematical reasoning in, in various different fields. And different branches will have their own specific axioms. Um, however, I tried to look at some just fundamental ones that are commonly accepted across various disciplines. Um, and what I came to was field axioms. And uh, these field axioms deal with addition and multiplication only. And these are things that we have to accept to be true in order for addition and multiplication to, to work. Um, and it makes them sound way more complicated than they are. But I just wanted to give these five quick examples of how maths is founded in reason and the, the, the type of things that if you ask why is a thing a certain way, these are the, the things you'll be pointed to. So the first one is closure under addition and multiplication. This means that the operations of addition and multiplication must be closed on the set. Meaning that if you add or multiply any two elements from a set, the result must also belong to the set. For example, if I have one and I'm multiplying it by two, the answer cannot be oranges. Because oranges mm. just do not belong to my set. A set yes. being a collection of uh, numbers, numbers, or you know things you're using to represent uh, abstract things, things as well. Um, two associativity. Um, so sorry, addition and multiplication must be associative, meaning that when you perform these operations on three elements or more, the result is the same regardless of how those elements are grouped. So if I multiply 1 by 2 by 5, I should get the same answer if I multiply 5 by 2 by 1. The same then also goes if you're just combining two elements together. If I add 2 and 5, or I add 5 and 2, the answer doesn't change. Um, there also exist two distinct elements, um, denoted as 0, 0 and 1, 1, such that adding 0, 0 to any element leaves the element unchanged and multiplying any element by uh, one one leaves the element unchanged as well the fourth one is for every element a in the field there exists a unique additive inverse known as minus a that sounds complicated but actually all it means is that for every positive integer we have a negative one also exists so the formula for that would be uh, if a exists and you add it to minus a, you get zero. You get nothing in the end. So one plus minus one, zero. And the last one is for every non-zero element in the field, there exists a unique multiplicative inverse so that um, a, so for example, if I have a to the power of minus one, I will get one. And these are just somewhat simple things we learn in school, written out in a very complicated way. <laughs> but these exist for every kind of mm. thing 
and uh, subsection of maths that, that that you go into, whether it's algebra or whether you go into geometry or Euclidean mathematics, which might actually be geometry uh, in a fancy phrase. Um, they all have these axioms. Like in science, we have theories, laws, right? Maths has axioms or proofs. They're known as um, like adding two whole numbers together results in a whole number would be another proof or axiom, right? If I add two and two, I'm not getting 3.9, for example. It doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's what maths is founded upon. Some of them have great names as well, like the axiom of equality. Yeah. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Yep. So it does. Yep. He knows. He knows. After the, 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 <laughs> the wine. <laughs> He's a bit keen. Yeah. Pino's axiom. Yeah. Uh, states as if a set of natural numbers contains the number one and is such that whenever it contains the, a number N, it also contains the number N plus one. That's why we say N plus one. Um, I use that in gaming all the time. And people are like, what do you mean N plus one? I'm like, it means that if you're having a fire fight with someone, or there's always going to be another person. Always expect there to be one <laughs> <third> more. <laughs> you're always going to be third partied. And if yeah. you're third partied, then there's going to be one more. You're going to be fourth partied. Yeah, I think like N in science, maths, and probably other fields as well. I, I'm, I'm assuming uh, cybersecurity, coding, N is often used as a denoter, like a placement holder for something you could just slot in later. As is X often used for, as we were using A just there. You know, A isn't something, it's it's placeholder. Um, And N is often used for that as just insert number here. Uh, But if people aren't used to that, right? If I go, ah, there'll be N plus one people in your gaming world. uh, People might just be like, what are you chatting, mate? Put the Doritos down, go touch some grass. Yeah. And it's not just a number, it's like... Uh, you can put a, a concept as well, like because that is just you. The, another group is going to join, so you just think it's the probability of another group group joining plus one because there's always going to be another group. Unless not the victory screen number. pops up and you win, yeah. But then you know, <laughs> then you have to contend with yourself. <laughs> yeah, it gets very and, and then you get the, like the loading Pilgrim screen versus the world, and all you kind can of see like, is your reflection. Yeah, the dark yeah. version of you appears, yeah. and you have to. Oh, it was the boss the whole time, because uh, <laughs> that's what's going on. Algebra. I want to segue into algebra. Yay, numbers, letters. Algebra's brilliant. It's brilliant. I really enjoyed algebra uh, because it was just like I don't have to add things anymore. I could just use a. Sick. You do have to the add answer. Things. You're adding what's, letters what's, together. <laughs> yeah. What's the answer to this? Two a. Yeah, that's right. Fucking sick. <laughs> it's a very broad part of mathematics. In its most general form, algebra is the study of mathematical symbols and their rules of manipulating these symbols. It is a unifying thread of almost all mathematics. Uh, the It always comes back to the ancient Babylonians. That is the root of algebra. They developed an advanced arithmetical system. Arith- I, th- I, th- I thought I nailed it, but I didn't. Arithmetic system which uh <laughs> they were able we to do there. calculations in algorithmic 
fashion. Um, there is also, also often called Babylonian mathematics, also known as Asso-Babylonian mathematics, which was any mathematics developed or practiced by the people of Mesopotamia from the days of the early Sumerians to the centuries following the fall of Babylon in 539 BC. They did pretty e, well, BCE, didn't they? BCE. We don't see BC anymore. Yeah, they did pretty well to develop all that back then. Yeah, crazy stuff about machines just writing stuff down and papyrus. I'm not, I don't know if they had papyrus. In, I was about I to know, say, I do not think they were papyrus users, but you, you, you never know. But in contrast, the scarcity of sources in Egyptian mathematics, the knowledge of which they would have used papyruses, um, knowledge of Babylonian mathematics is derived from 40 clay, four, sorry, 400 clay tablets unearthed since the 1850s written in cuneiform scripts. Tablets were inscribed while the clay was moist and baked in the hard oven by the heat of the sun. And that's how we, we know. Uh, the covers somehow, uh. the clay tablets covered topics such as fractions, algebra, quadratic equations, cubic equations, and even the Pythagorean theorem. Um, Honestly, fair play to them. I, I yeah. had someone whose sole job it was to teach me that, and they failed. And they were just doing that <laughs> in their spare time. Like. <laughs> yeah, and this person had a computer and also failed. Oh, dear. Just want to let everyone know, when we were at school... Uh, they were still using like overhead projectors. I just want to let everybody know that, like, like this isn't we didn't call have, us like, out like smart. That. Like we didn't have like smart smart boards. Like when I was an IT technician, they I were had to, just like, being set introduced. Uh, yeah, we had yeah, them for a few years, but none of the teachers could use them. Yeah, the ones that I had to fix and play around with were short throw projectors. So the projector was mounted onto the smart board itself and projected down. At like a 70 oh, degree angle yeah um we had ones like that were really far away and they were always bad i remember like one of the teachers compulsively reset the the tracking at the start of every lesson it used to wind me up <laughs> like yeah the pen doesn't you know purposely perfectly come off the end of the tip but just, just it doesn't matter you've got the whole board just right no one cares <laughs> oh dear <laughs> Wow, it's uncovered traumas here. Yeah, yeah. Well, well this maths. It's just maths. It's, it's just maths. maths. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, so that was one of the one of the major ones from our, our description of what maths is. The other is geometry, uh, which is the mathematical branch that studies the shapes, position, and dimensions of things. Uh, mathematicians who work in the field of geometry are called uh, geometers ah. or nerds. We are the epitome of nerds. We can't be making we can't be calling other nerds out like that. We need to I stand together. It. You know what? I, I take I have badge of honor. I'm a massive nerd. I love it. Oh, I thought you were saying that you revel in taking the mick out of nerds. Oh no, <laughs> no. Because you're an asshole. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just, why are you such an asshole? Oh, uh, no, I haven't mastered that. You want to hear me talk about Magic the Gathering for five hours? Because I can do it. Yeah, that's next week's episode. I, I, can, I can do it. Uh, so, geometry. What is geometry? What does it do? Uh, <laughs> shapes, positions, dimensions. Uh, it began to see elements of formal math mathematical science in Greek mathematics as early as the 6th century. By the 3rd century, geometry was put into a an 
axomatic form by Euclid, whose treatment, the elements, set by standards for many centuries to follow. Like, Euclidean mathematics is used, like, uh, the Euclidean algorithm, which is Euclidean theory of encryption, we still, like, use in our uh, cryptography. So it's like you use the greatest common divisor of two integers, A and B, is the largest integer that divides both A and B. That's like the Euclidean algorithm is technique for quickly finding the greatest common divisor of two integers. That's where you like you split them into two. I'm not sure if anybody remembers this when they were going to school, but if you've got like 10, you go, okay, well, it's five and two. Two can't be split, so that's, that's the lowest. And then you do, uh, oh, I can't do five. <laughs> I picked a bad number, okay? <laughs> pick so an you, even so number. You, so, so you pick 12, right? You got six and two, then three and two, and then you can work out between them what the common those are the Where the, did the three come from? Because three times two equals six, Dom. Oh, I see what you mean. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you see what I did there? Basic maths. I, I see why you didn't like maths, mate. Oh, um, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just geometry I really didn't get. Like, okay, I can calculate the area of this pizza. Yeah, I prefer honestly, it if it was they more, told it was more me visual. It was pizza, it would be better. Um, yeah. But there's like, imagine we cut a square out of this. Okay, what is the dimensions of the square and the surface area of the remainder of the pizza? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and I know I think... you told me how to know, but I can't do it. <laughs> I'm much more, much more, much more visual learner. So I think I I got on with geometry way more than like the weird like this is this is a wave. So you should be able to work on the wave. Yeah, like fair. being able to be like, okay, so there's a square there in my head. The way you work, no, here's a cylinder and it's pi r squared times d. That's like the volume of a cylinder. Love that my brain remembers that. Um, yeah. And then, like, you just like chop it in half and have to do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then like, you sink it in the water to find its volume. Like, you know, it's come full circle. Full circle. <laughs> see what you did there. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, if I had something in my hands, may- maybe, but like, yeah, I just, I just never needed it personally. But because they lump so many different aspects of maths together into one subject, calling yeah, it maths, all they do. Yeah. it means if you really struggle in, let's say, geometry, but you really excel at algebra, then actually your your grade in other things can really limit your progression in that subject mm-hmm. that you're potentially really good at. Like now the maths and statistics that I deal with a lot are somewhat complicated, but... I have a reason to engage with it. Um, and I don't have to do geometry. <laughs> the mm-hmm. main takeaway here. Um, so I, I think maybe if I was just... They separated these things, then... I understand why they don't at the same time. Because, you know, you need to have X amount of subjects at school. But I do think that's somewhat of an, an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Hey-ho. Yeah, they um, did that with. Um, they called it IT, but one of it, one of the sections in IT was graphic design. Like, what, the fuck, what, what is this? And I failed it on purpose, <laughs> despite them. <laughs> <laughs> but in the end, he only spited himself. <laughs> uh, came full circle. Yeah. I, I'm now, I now work in compliance for computers. Nice. All the computers. Just the every world. single one. Yeah. Every single one. Yeah. Um. All right. What else? What else have you you got to get to? Because I got a, a couple of problems 
what well, a problem of mathematics. Yeah, I was talking about mathematical logic, but like that's like a subfield of maths that we've just talked about. Okay, like there've been too many. So, so we can we can we can move on to like unsolved math maths issues. Yeah, because um, there's there are things that that aren't that we just don't know yet. We haven't worked out. But I think if this is how maths was presented to me, it's like a field that we are still exploring. It's interesting. It's exciting, right? Like science is always introduced to people. <laughs> I think I yeah. may have engaged with it slightly more. <laughs> yeah, I may not have. But no, I don't think. You know, I, I, no, maybe not. But you know, yeah, they're, 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 I just think, I think you've got it. Or you don't. That's fair. And I don't. <laughs> Whatever it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whatever it is. Yeah, why don't, you, why don't you tell us about one of your unsolved problems? One of my, yeah, so I have Not this yours. unsolved issue. <laughs> we'll get your therapist on soon. Wow, I don't have a therapist, Tom, actually. Uh, well, I need one, so I'll get one on. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not, that's not me, like, shaming people that have therapists. It's just, oh, I just, you know, don't have one. Fair. Uh, yeah, so unsolved maths problems uh which you know it's actually i think there's a whole field of just like a bunch of them so there's a, there's a list there's a well-known list of uh which have like significant prizes if you solve them uh for example the millennium prize problems proposed by the clay mathematics institute in 2000 include some of the most famous unsolved problems in mathematics uh, to date, six of these remain unsolved. And we've got the P versus NP problem, which I'll go into in a second. The Birch and Swinerton Dyer conjuncture, the Hodge conjuncture, Navier-Stokes existence and smoothness, uh, Ryman's hypothesis and Yang-Mills existence and mass gap. Uh, the seventh problem, the Poincare conjecture, was actually solved by Grigory Perelman in two thousand and three. Um, but I, I I like the P versus MP problem. I've got like a explain it like I'm five and then have a proper explanation. Oh, that's good. Yeah, okay. So imagine you and your friends are playing with a huge box of colourful puzzles and your friends claim they can quickly tell you if the pieces can be put together to form a beautiful picture without actually doing it. You think that's, an, that's amazing because for you, the only way to know for sure is by actually putting all the pieces together, which takes a lot longer. The P versus MP problem is like asking... Is there a magical way to quickly solve puzzles and problems like them without having to try every single possibility? If you find out there is, it would be like discovering your friend really does have a superpower for puzzles. And if not, it means that some challenges are just naturally tough and take time to solve with no shortcuts. Okay. Did you, did you understand that? Yeah, I think so. Is there it's a way like to cheat of, at my puzzle? Yeah. There's a like... And I think they're putting a lot of pressure on, like, not so pressure on, like, quantum quantum computing to be like, is this possible? Do all the all the like possible permutations and tell us immediately. I think there's a lot on, on that. But but the proper explanation is one of the most important and unsolved problems in computer science. It asks whether every problem whose solution can be quickly verified by a computer can also be quickly solved by a computer. So like a, a computer can be like, yeah, you can do that. But you can't solve it. So P oh, okay. in this yeah. situation, P versus MP, is polynomial time. 
And this class includes problems that can be solved by an algorithm in polynomial time, which means the time to solve the problem grows at a rate that can be expressed as a polynomial function of the size of the input. For example, sorting a list of numbers is in P because we have an efficient way to sort that takes time proportional to the size of the list. So if you had a list of 100 numbers and it took you 100 seconds to place one of those numbers, it would take you 100 seconds. Polynomial time. Yeah. Then you've got non-deterministic polynomial time. And this cl class contains problems for which a given solution can be verified in polynomial time. The classic example of this problem is verifying if a given sequence of moves uh, to solve a Rubik's Cube. Even if finding the solution might be hard, checking if a solution is correct is relatively easy and quick. Bigger question P versus MP asks is, are these two classes actually the same? In other words, if a computer can quickly verify the correctness of a solution, can it also find the solution quickly? So if P equals MP, it would mean that all problems that we can verify quickly can also be solved quickly. And this is a huge implication for fields like cryptography, optimizations, and beyond, as many problems that are currently considered difficult to solve could in theory be solved efficiently. So that honestly makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, so currently most computer scientists believe that P does not equal P, which implies that there are problems there are problems easy to verify but hard to solve. However, this has not been proven, and proving or disproving this central question in theoretical computer science and mathematics is like a really big thing. And that's why I, I, re I really like P versus MP. Is it <clears throat> unprovable in the sense that are you quantifiably able to say that it's not true? Because if, yeah, so that's what the people doing with the big formulas and the big maths. You would have to create a formula or algorithm or equation that either proved or disproved it. So you could either prove that it is, and yes. that if you could, you know, and, and that I accept. But my question isn't that. It's are you able it's to not actually possible, prove that it's not possible? Because yeah, so we, if it's we, not possible, you could you would be able to prove it. Like, for example, um, there's a Euclidean uh, algorithm that if you work backwards, it will equal a specific number. Yeah. And then you know it's right. <laughs> so you can create these uh, algorithms that could prove that it's not possible. Yes, but Euclidean mathematics is very different to... Yeah, it's just an equation. It's yes, just, it's just a, but not all two equations are alike. For example, yeah, I, I get it doesn't so, use any like weird maths to do that. It's just if you put the numbers in in this certain what I'm way, saying modulus, is, it comes it, out backwards. Yeah, but what I'm saying is is that unless we quantitatively prove it, it may be a million times harder to quantitatively disprove it rather than just going, "Oh, we failed doing it this way." Maybe it doesn't work. There'll always be the chance that it does. Because actually, maybe it's very hard to quantitatively disprove. For example, um, if we're training animals to do something and they end up not being able to do it, the reasons for that might be, one, they just can't do it. Two, perhaps we just did something wrong and we don't know what that is. So we can always try again. It's very hard to actually prove animals can't do something. You just repeatedly prove that the method you'd last tried didn't work. I'm not Does that sure make what... sense? Yeah, but I, you're bringing animals into maths. I, I, I'm not not on a one for one. It's just like a, a, an example. That's where the, the kind of uh, 
thinking so, yeah, like, of you can go in two directions you can ha- you can either prove it or you can come up with uh some maths that disproves it now there's so three you, you directions you can either prove no, because it you can then disprove it's just the unknown it. well You've exactly got that's yes, what i'm no saying unknown but the whole point of them working on it and trying to work this out is to not be in the unknown. Everybody is currently in the unknown section. I know, but what I'm saying is, is perhaps you can't prove, you can't disprove it. Perhaps there's a disproving and there's an unknown. And the, oh, sorry, perhaps there's proving and there's the unknown. Perhaps the disproving isn't a possibility on this one. Because that is also a, a thing. Disproving some things just isn't a possibility sometimes. Hmm. But they don't know that. No, exactly. So you, so you can't say there isn't. <laughs> no, so that's why you've either got you can prove it, and you that's can disprove why I'm it, or will we forever be stuck in the unknown trying to yes. prove something that can't be proved? That was mm. a much more succinct well, way of explaining I, I think where my head was. Another issue that this this comes back to is there because it's it's all to do with like computer science. That's where this comes from. Uh, there's like. When you get into quantum computing realms, the whole idea of like polynomial time and things taking time to like sort becomes really weird with quantum computing when it like the way that it works things out isn't the usual logical steps that you would go through or that we have known that computers go through. Right. So it gets a bit funky. That's super interesting. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, the one that I looked at, which is still unsolved, ongoing, uh, but it it took a major development a few years ago in a very surprising fashion, um, is supermutations. Have you heard of these? Yeah, they're in, um, Fallout. Okay, well, yes, you've got those as well. (laughs) Um, so supermutations essentially ask the question, if I have a sequence of numbers or a a set, for example, Mm -hmm. what is the shortest string that contains all permutations of that set? For example, let's say I have the numbers 1 and 2. The shortest string of numbers that I could have that contained all combinations of 1 and 2 would be 1, 2, 1, because it has 1 and 2 in it, and it has 2 and 1 in it. But I'm just using that 2 once. Does that make sense? Um, no. So, if I have one and two, yeah, and I want to display you, you two on two, or does it have to start at the lowest number? Um, normally it goes up from from the lowest number, but you could do two on two. Yes, that would also work. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the lowest, uh, when you've n equals two, the lowest uh, combination you can have. Or, or string, you can have as three, right? Because it goes one, two, one, or two, one, two. Um, now, in order to solve this, people were just writing this out for the longest time. Um, <laughs> for the longest time. And the field had got up to five, and they'd shown that the, the smallest uh, permutations for n equals 5, has a length of 153. And I'm not going to read that out, because obviously that's insane. Um, However, (laughs) it just... That string of numbers contains every combination of the numbers 1 to 5 in every order possible. Mm -hmm. More than that, though, people just hadn't been able to figure out for years. 
And then a discussion starts on a 4chan forum about the anime... Um, oh, I'm going to have to re-Google the name now. Hang on. Um, Harui? The Melancholy of Harui Suzumiya, which is an animated series of 14 episodes that can be watched in any order to get a different experience from it. It was designed that you didn't have to watch it in chronological order. So a chat started on 4chan was, what is the least number of Harui episodes that you would have to watch in order to see (laughs) the 14 episodes in every order possible? Brilliant. This is like going back to the the people that play War Thunder and releasing the things. Um, So it was genuinely like a curious question that someone had. And someone, after a few months of posting and updating and all all of these different uh, things, came up with an algorithm that would solve uh, the lowest possible number of string length for 14, as well as uh, the highest possible one. It was quite hard to actually nail down, but essentially they came up with a formula n factorial. Factorial is the addition of all numbers up to n. So factorial, if 2 factorial is 1 plus 2, right? 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 2, something like that. Um, So n factorial plus n minus 1 factorial plus n minus 2 factorial plus n minus 3. You just keep doing that. Uh, 14 and it gave him an up, upper bound of 93,924 sorry 93 billion 924 million 230,411 components of that string um, and it also went it went down to 93 billion 884 million now that was the first time anyone had got a fact uh, a string length a supermutation of far higher than five. In 2018, this was adapted by Aaron Williams. Um, by the way, this anonymous 4chan user didn't put their names, so and no one knows who actually solved this, but has been credited in a paper as anonymous 4chan <laughs> user. Um, <laughs> in Love 2018, it. this was adapted. Um, to figure out the smallest supermutation known for n is greater than or equal to 7, finding a length of 5,907 uh, l- length of the of the string, which was a new record. And currently, the record for n equals 7 is 5,884. That is the shortest length of a combination that we have found for n equals 7. We don't have anything for n equals 8. Or n equals nine, higher than seven, we just don't have yet. Um, and obviously, it just kind of gets exponential. You know, between seven and fourteen, you go from five thousand eight hundred to ninety-three billion. So, mm. very difficult. Um, if you think it sounds easier than that, then uh, go solve it on four chan, preferably, apparently, or Reddit. I, I don't know anything other than the website formerly known as Twitter. Um. So yeah, four chan to the rescue, apparently. Um, and then yeah, this has just been solved. That uh, five thousand eight hundred forty-four was solved in twenty twenty-one for n equals seven, and they're currently searching for a potentially shorter string than that, or even some people have started on eight. 
Mm. Yeah. I do love things like that when the internet just happens sometimes. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Very powerful, but also uh, has the power for bad things as well. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I wonder if this if that anime is actually any good. Give it a watch. Feel enlightened. Yeah. Which order <laughs> we watch it in though? <laughs> One of Netflix tried to do that, didn't they? With uh, um, yeah, it what had... was it? Was it a Black Mirror? Thingy? No. What, it had I the guy, the, the Los Pollos Hermanos guy from Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad cast. Let me see. Giancarlo Esposito. So it's different. Oh, it's Kaleidoscope. That's the one. No. Oh, yeah, that was Kaleidoscope. Watching any order gimmick. But there was another one that you, was like, you went down a path. Oh, that was um, that was just like a choose your own adventure. But you didn't watch it in any order. That just skipped you between like a longer sequence of events um mm-hmm. what was that called i think i don't think it was that good bandersnatch 2018 oh yeah bandersnatch i thought it was all right but yeah uh, i don't think it was as innovative as people thought it was gonna be no or they hoped at least that's 4.2 stars though apparently yeah fair all right Cool, cool, cool. Um, anything else you'd like to squeeze into the episode? Um, have a look at my notes. No. All right. The only thing that I can I can say about maths, a lot of people hate on it, but as we said, there's a lot of different disciplines, and it's like saying you don't like sports, which I get because some people just don't like sports. But there's like a sport for everybody. Like at the moment, bouldering is my thing big into it and that's like the geometry of uh maths i see you just like looking at a a bouldering run and then you got that you know maths calculating calculation i I was i was watching (laughs) a guy who is a really good boulder who thinks like that and actually thinks in maths and weight distribution because that's essentially all it is yeah when he when he, he knows his power and like how he has to have like if he puts his weight here and puts his leg out here, it means he can put his arm over here. And I was like, and there's some good visuals that you'd already see knocked together to back it up. And I was like, oh no, I, I get, I like this. Fair play. Fair play. Yeah. So give it, give it, give it a chance. Find that area that you enjoy. Like maybe yeah. you don't like sci-fi, but you like fantasy, different aspects of, of book reading. And yeah, you can, you can be bad and hate it. And then later on, come to endure it. <laughs> endure where I find myself. Ritted <laughs> chief. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. Sometimes. Yeah. The, right. So I had a, a two-hour exam on cryptography that was a non-calculator paper. And hmm. I did like 17, I think it was, pages of maths to work out one number. Um, and I did the, the Euclid's like reverse formula, spent 20 minutes doing this reversal model and what I thought it was, uh, finished. Like I thought, I, I thought I got it, ran through this formula, 20 minutes doing that. And there was like X equals one. 
And I was like, either I'm correct or I've just finessed myself off the face of the earth and somehow got one randomly. But as soon as I got one, I just brought the answer and then handed the paper in. I was like, I'm going for a drink. <laughs> that's, a bit. that's fair. Did you know if yeah. that was correct or not? Yeah, it was. And I got it right. Oh, yeah. See, that because would have been annoying to me. Why? Because the, the whole not thing is if it, it right, equals one, one, it's right. Because yeah. if you do it all reverse and it equals one, that means you've done it right. Because you've come back as a whole number, okay. not some random ass thing. Okay, nice. Yeah. yeah. Fair play. All right. We shall end the episode there then. We're nearly 10 minutes over. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that will bring us to a wrap. Don't forget to share this with your friends, families, co-workers, other people who are in the midst of maths. Um, it gets better because you either get to enjoy it or get to leave it behind. If you want more fun information and science, you can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at Pod, Instagram, Information Pod, and of course, whichever directory you're listening to this on right now, if you can give us a rating, a like, a follow, subscribe, comment, whatever it is, we appreciate it massively. Any farewells for you? Terrari bit. Terrari bit. One. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Ciao for now.